Podcasting from their dining room table in California, it's the Stonebirds with Dave Stone and Katie Strandberg. Get it? Advice and encouragement from two goofballs who can barely run their own lives. Call now at 562-548-2012 to be a part of the show. Now welcome the Stonebirds. Yes, I love this. Mm-hmm. 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 That's old Hal Ketchum. Uh-huh. Catch him and release him. Catch him and release? Uh-huh. I see that. Catch him and let Man, him go. Man, I love this. This is the one we had all the little people on the video. You ever see this? Uh-huh. There's a bunch of... Called Small Town Saturday Night. I think it's just... I think I had a bunch of small people in the video. They did. Yeah, little big people running around. <laughs> that was the so they had small people uh, running around. Yeah. So do you think that's what the song means? Like a small town for small people? I think it's just a clever, clever joke. Just a clever joke. Yeah, it is uh, a clever joke. See, so that's uh, true. With all due respect oh. <laughs> to little people, they do make me nervous. No, Cecil. Uh, nope, we're not. They don't. Why do they make Well, they're just unpredictable. I don't think we should get into this. This is a very slippery slope. I like them. Nope. They seem nice. I don't... Nope. I just... I just... I feel uncomfortable. Too quick. (laughs) Okay. Cecil, no. You can't say that. What's wrong with that? I don't know. It feels wrong. (laughs) You can't just categorize people and call them all quick. Well, you're probably right. Oh, man. It's that, it's that cancel culture. Are you... Uh-huh. Cecil, why does it smell like gasoline in here again? I'm fixing my two-stroke engine, my two-cycle engine over there. Oh. My weed eater broke down. Oh, my God. I'm probably the only man in West Hollywood that owns a weed eater, yeah. but not a yard. <laughs> it's true. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you do a good job. I just didn't think you'd bring it into the living room. I have a proclivity for power tools. Yeah, it's the the, the thing is, it's just they're messy, uh-huh. and I don't think you know how to fix them uh-huh. because it looks sort of just like you, you know, killed your weed eater. Uh-huh. With a two-stroke engine, you gotta you gotta mix the oil with the gasoline. You uh-huh. do you mix it all up in there for weed eaters and hedge trimmers and edgers okay. and whatnot. Wow. Uh-huh. All right. That's right. Well, this has been um. You got any? Lawn that needs maintained, you holler at your boy. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, yes, if anyone needs lawns maintained, uh-huh. they will holler at you. All right. Well, I'm going to go, so, I'm gonna go I... work on my backpack blower. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm a Husqvarna man. Don't try to break any of that steel in here. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. Bye, Cecil. Bye. All right, good luck, buddy. Hey, boo, what's up? Wow. What's he doing? Wow. What's his deal? Something with a backpack, and then... Is that the smell? That's is, the is he smell. fixing his... He's his... fixing all of his yard stuff in the living room I again. Can't. And I'm trying to nicely say, Cecil, please, mm-hmm. it smells. And yeah. he just doesn't get it. And then he goes on tangents about small people There's and... Lawnmower blades in the bathtub. I know. I don't know what that's about. Uh, 
anyway. He's, he's trying to start a landscaping business. Well, he's doing a good job. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's promoting himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with his neighborhood signs and all. <laughs> I've seen, have you ever seen him do any of that work? Uh, no. He's good at it. He's just incredibly slow. Oh. It takes him like four hours <laughs> to do like a quarter acre lot. He takes his time. Mm-hmm. Well, he's thorough. Or as, yeah, as he says, he's thorough. Yeah. He's a thorough man. How about you, Boo? Boo, I'm wondrous. What's going on? Well, I'm happy to be back. Yeah. Back on the air. Back on the air, broadcasting live. From a table. Uh Uh-huh. We're in a different part of the apartment, you guys. Yeah, uh, just up front, little show note. Uh, We're trying our, um, well, little little peek behind the curtain. I know the intro says we're podcasting from our dining room table it does say that that that's what we used to do in long beach right but ever since we moved here a year ago we've been uh in the record room yes and uh i love the record room it's a great room you like the record room the only problem is i have my nice desk that i sit at when we record and you're stuck in my nice lounge chair which is a comfortable chair to sit and listen to a record or watch a movie but maybe not the best chair uh, for you to podcast from because there's no real like table or anyway you just had some positioning issues yes so we thought we'd try our uh, living room yeah or this would be the dining room it's kind of just kinda the room yeah and uh, we got this nice dining room table and we're both uh, we're sitting at uh, opposite ends yes like um what the you, head of the table like the we're head, both, we're at, both the at the heads of the table, the table. Yeah. what do they call like the long dining room table I think there's it's... something. It's a dining table, but no? But there's a name dining, for it. They mentioned, long... they mentioned it in JFK when Tommy Lee Jones' character is bragging about his long table. And that's precisely oh, the that. point of a... I thought he called it something. Anyway, uh, so the acoustics may not be optimal because we've got all these uh, windows and stuff. So, anyway, so if it sounds a little different today, that's why. Yeah. And we're just... We're, we're trying something new. We're trying something new. We're throwing spaghetti at the wall. Mm-hmm. We're throwing podcast spaghetti at the podcast wall? I think so. Sure. sure. Okay. But yeah, trying something new. Uh, been off for a few weeks. Yes. You know. And I I wanted to go ahead and address uh-huh. why. Okay. Um, I've been sad. Yeah, that's okay, boo. And I'm sorry, guys. Uh, you know, because I know everyone. <laughs> no, I know people care about me. And I know, and I'm very lucky. Um, I know you care about me. And I've just been in kind of a funk. Yeah, well, which is uh, which tends to happen this time of year. It does. It does happen this time of year. Why is that? Um, my sister, my eldest sister Susie, passed away when I was thirteen, and she passed away on Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in nineteen ninety seven, that was March thirtieth. Yeah, it fell on March thirtieth. Well. My sister was so badass that she chose a day to pass on where mm-hmm. she could go. You have to celebrate two times. Two days. <laughs> yes. Like, so it was March 30th and yeah. it was Easter. Yes. And in most other years, those are two separate days. Yeah. So we get two grieving Susie days. Yes. So. And it used to be, it's interesting because March, I wasn't allowed to cry about my sister's death growing up mm-hmm. and allowed. I mean, my parents were grieving in their own way, um, but I was 13 and I just... You know, Susie was 10 years my senior. Uh, I've talked about her on this podcast before, Mm -hmm. but she was badass. And uh, basically just like by my second mom, like, you know, and just, uh, man, I'm going to cry. Sorry, Sorry, guys. You can either A, (laughs) cry and it be okay, or B, we don't have to talk about it. Whatever you feel like doing, boo. I think we can go into it because I would like to share. Okay. I'd like to share... Mm -hmm. um, 
how this kind of escalated. First of all, I am in all the therapy. Mm-hmm. I, I have a very good therapist. I have a, I'm on medication. I want everybody to know that I have like, I, I'm stable in these ways. Mm-hmm. So when a lot of people like go through depression, they're like, okay, are you seeing a therapist? Are you doing all this stuff? And you know, therapist, diet, exercise, all of these little, little tiny, tiny things help in the whole scheme of, you know, handling your emotions and depression, right? Mm -hmm. And then if those little things get kind of ticked out, like you just kind of stop doing one or two, which is what I started doing, like, I don't need to go to exercise classes. I don't need to really da-da-da-da. I'm going to take this week off because blah, blah, blah. And that's what got me into my little rut. But it's just so bananas because Susie would – she would hate that. She would hate that I would get sad about mm-hmm. her. Like not in a don't cry way, but like in a come on, dude, why are you so sad about me way? <laughs> but that's kind of a dumb question that Susie might ask. Like, well, what do you mean? Come yeah. on. Well, of course I'm sad. You're my sister. And now you're gone. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't know if subconsciously that's something you tell yourself that she would be like, but I, I think, and I've talked to you about this before. Um, if you feel sad, sometimes you just need to feel sad. You yeah. shouldn't feel guilty about being sad about the loss of your sister. Now, you should feel guilty if something incredibly trivial happened today and it ruined your whole day and you got sad because they didn't have the right coffee at Starbucks or something. But this is, if there's anything that's worthy of being sad about, it's the loss of a family member, boo, no matter how long ago. So I think you need to give yourself some grace. Uh, and allow you. yourself to be sad when these things, when the sadness, you know, shows its head. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, for me, it's like uh, when it does show its head, I am a happy-go-lucky person, mm-hmm. I, I think. I mean, I know I'm kind of a dark <laughs> horse at times, but I feel like I'm pretty optimistic. I've tried to train my brain into being more optimistic. It's it's hard, um, but I can be dark. I could go into my dark little uh, cycles of depression and I think that's what scares me is that I just don't want it to get tangled in with Susie's memory mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's a very interesting you don't thing. just associate her with sadness yeah I don't want to just be like oh my God, I had a sister and you know she died when I was 13 and then the person's always like oh my gosh I'm so sorry and then I have to say okay yeah it's mm-hmm. fine I was 13 and you know what I mean it it's so the way I sell it is just it makes me depressed mm-hmm. Um, but I am, I, I, what, what annoys me, I think is that I trick myself. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm doing all this stuff, right? I'm doing all the therapy. I'm doing all the meds. I'm doing all the, you know, stuff. Why am I not just over this? Mm -hmm. And I know I'm never going to get over that and that's okay. But I think I, I just, I almost tricked myself like, okay, this year I'm not going to be sad around Easter or this, you know, but weirdly, especially this year, it wasn't just Easter. It was like a wave of, oh, oh crap, Susie's not here. Oh crap, I can't call my mom. Oh crap, I can't call my dad. Oh crap, I can't call my aunt. Mm -hmm. Um, Because those were my little anchors in my world where I would touch base with often way too much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know. I was enmeshed and codependent with my mom and dad. Um, but yeah, like, and with all, with, without that, you feel so alone. Mm-hmm. But I know I'm not alone. And I know I'm so grateful. And I have you and I have our beautiful family. 
But it's interesting how when you don't have those anchors, even the annoying ones, like my dad, I talk to my dad almost three to four times a day. Absolutely. Really? I about, didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. In the past two years, three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I went a day without talking to my dad, like we were fighting. We were for sure not fighting. Yeah. <laughs> or two days, it was like, where have you been? And and we would play like these weird mind games with each other where it was like, well, where have you been? Yeah. <laughs> like it was just like two teens yeah. being in a friendship. And I think this year regarding Susie, I, I don't know, last year I was sort of in the dad fog because I had lost dad. We lost dad, what, 2021? Uh, December 25th, 2021. Yeah, December 25th, 2021. That year... I busied myself with everything and didn't even like look mm-hmm. at my grief. I mean, I was trying to work through it, but it was just, you feel just kind of mm-hmm. lost and numb, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that like now I'm processing, oh shit, my mom died three years before my dad. Wow. Uh, because once she passed, I just put all my focus on my dad. Mm-hmm. And it's like once, so, so it kind of is the same process. Uh, like when I was 13, lost my sister. Well, I put all my focus on my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. That was it. Like Susie was my gal. Susie was it. Like she had her Honda Del Sol with the fin and it was dope. And we would just drive around. It was a two seater. I mean, it was like a codependent vehicle. Like there was mm-hmm. only two spots. Yeah. <laughs> and I got one of the spots. Mm-hmm. Like how cool is that? And and look like it that was. That must have been so much fun. Too. Oh my being 12 13 and get to ride around with your big sister in a convertible a honda del sol you guys is youths look it up Mm -hmm. it's a hard top coupe Mm -hmm. convertible yeah and you got to take the hard top off like that was the big job it was a cool little car it was a cool car so you got to like raise the roof literally Mm -hmm. and then put it in the trunk it was that was like a big job with me and Susie. and Susie was a really good with kids like I was 13 obviously but she was a elementary school teacher Mm -hmm. and it's funny to remember the actual person not just how they made you feel Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like the actual person of Susie was a badass person because she raised people up in ways that they didn't even know Mm -hmm. and that to me is so special you know I I think when when we get noticed or seen by people, it's so cool and special. But if we get noticed and seen by our older sister mm-hmm. or sibling and they like us, like, excuse me, I've arrived. I am. This is all my confidence. Like, I was such a confident little Katie mm-hmm. uh, pre-Susie's death because it was like, dude, I got Susie in front of me. Yeah. Like, there's no way anyone, A, is going to mess with me. B, is going to, you know, I know she has my back. Mm-hmm. I have her back. You what know. a great resource too, as right. a, as a young person, as a young girl, to um, to have an older sister who is that much older, you know, ten years. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That just seems like a great. Well, I mean, it's a, ugh, like, I know you could have definitely used her, you know, throughout your teen years, and I don't know. But what just what a great resource to be thirteen. Think about how difficult it is when you're entering puberty and, you know, school and peer yeah. pressure. And, but to just have, because even, like, I had a big brother, but he was only two years older. And arguably, emotionally, I was the eldest brother. Right. Um, and I just mean that, like, 
we just had such different personalities. He was very passive. Uh, I've told the story about he was a junior when I was a freshman. Oh, right. And I would, more than once, I would, as a freshman, would confront seniors and be like, hey, man, I heard you're messing with my brother. Like, my big brother, you know. So my point is, like, he was a good big brother at the time, but because we were so close in age, I didn't really use him too much as, like, a resource as far as, like, advice and how to navigate my teen years and stuff. But, like, she sounded like just a perfect resource as far as, you know, when you're 13, she's 23, she's already got a career, she's a teacher, she's got her shit together. Like, what what a great person to have in your corner. Yeah, she... Man. Yeah, I mean, like, just little things, too. Just even, like, folding sheets she had knew how to do badass. Like, she's like, oh, put it in the pillowcase, but mm-hmm. fold it. You know, she was very Martha Stewarty, and but not in an annoying, perfectionisty way. Mm-hmm. Just in her cool Susie way. Mm-hmm. She didn't force it upon you. Her room was immaculate and organized and pristine, while the rest of us looked like garbage cans in yeah. our rooms. And But she didn't make us feel bad mm-hmm. for not doing that. Mm-hmm. She would give me crap, but it wasn't in a mean way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, her... Um, yeah, dude. It's just... It's interesting how grief works because I I think what happened with me is that the Susie thing definitely hit me this year but then it just felt very lonely Mm -hmm. um yeah i i just really miss my mom and dad Mm -hmm. and it's weird and i miss my sister too um but it's just without them it's hard to navigate through all this Mm -hmm. right and so in your head you could get really thick Mm -hmm. into your sadness because I'm trying to undo it all. Like, already I'm a neurodivergent person. Mm-hmm. So already I'm doing all these mental gymnastic-y things <laughs> in my mind. But when... I guess I just kept going from tree to tree. For example, you know, Susie got sick. Then I helped mom and dad. You know, and then after mom got sick, I helped mom. And then I and when mom passed, I, I went to dad. I, I just went from tree to tree to tree. Well, then dad passed... <laughs> And I literally was like, okay, I guess I have one more family le- member left. Aunt Joni, my dad's sister, whom mm-hmm. he loved, who is now in heaven again. Uh, again. She died just she, a couple months after him, right? Yeah, she died a few months after my dad. And it's like, what an interesting reset for me. Mm-hmm. And what an interesting, now I'm just left with me and my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And and. Unfortunately, as Dr. Julie, my wonderful counselor, says, we're all left alone in our thoughts mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Like, yeah. you know, you, you're you not – you can't put your stuff on everybody else because it's – you have to have a relationship with yourself. And I think I'm very good at avoiding that. I think I'm so good at being like, all right, I'll just watch crap TV mm-hmm. for 10 hours mm-hmm. while I'm sleeping or – it, it happens very quickly. Like, it's just like, okay, or I'll, I'll I'm just going to smoke weed a little bit and then, you know, uh, it'll put me to sleep. But then it just becomes a pattern where you have to do more and more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of caught a hold of me. Mm-hmm. And then you're not exercising. Then you're not doing things and moving forward. And it is easy for me to get stuck in the mud of grief mm-hmm. and just sort of my wheels 
you know, spin out. So I think that's kind of what happened. Um, and I kept analyzing it. Mm-hmm. And that made me more sad. So I know this is this probably sounds like rambling nonsense to people that are listening. <laughs> but uh, I just think grief is so grief, depression, all of it is this weird little combo platter that is very hard for me to not <coughs> indulge in. And I, not that I'm indulgent with my depression, but like, it's so odd because it just throws you. Mm-hmm. It just throws you off your path. And then I beat myself up about it. Like, I'm like, okay, well, no, I suck even more and I'll never be able to, like, I just, that that dark passenger in my head can just really take me down mm-hmm. <laughs> into sad ways. And you've been around that. And I, I, and I'm sorry, you know, I know that it hasn't been easy living with old sunshine sue over here <laughs> don't have to get to oh thank you boo you're not hard to live with boo and it's not your fault that you suffered this trauma you know and i think you're doing great with it and i don't expect you to be a dancing clown i don't expect you to just be all uh, bubbles and laughs 24/7. i was trying to do a clown horn just yep. now ah that was waka it. waka <laughs> oh what's the uh, what's, what's the tick Bobble? thing um, well, the thing with uh, Susie, it's, I mean, this is an obvious statement, but it's, um, it's just tragic because as, as much as you're suffering with the loss of your mom and your father, you know, when an 80-year-old person dies, it's sad, but it's not necessarily tragic. They lived a full life. You got to live most of your life with those people, your parents, but, uh, man, losing a sister when you're 13 and she's 23, like, you, you just got cheated. You got shortchanged. You know, you could have, and obviously she did. You know, 23, you're not even in your prime yet. Like, you're just getting started. Like, but to lose, you know, does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. not to, to downplay the loss of our parents, but I, I miss my dad every day, but I got to spend 40 years with him. He got to spend 75 years. He did. I, I would have loved if he had another 10 or 15 years. That would have been great. But even at 75, you can't say that he got shortchanged. But 23, like, and you could, like I was just saying, what a cool resource. You, you're you're just entering your teens, and you've got this older sister who's got everything going on, and she's got her stuff together, and then just taken from you. So, like, no wonder that, 27 years later or whatever 26 years later you're still consumed by sadness when you think of her especially this time of year or whatever so i i can't imagine what that would be like it's interesting because and i appreciate that thank you boo i i think it's yeah it just sucks Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's no great way of Mm -hmm. We've learned to deal with it, Mm -hmm. but I had to really go through grief counseling. I remember hard in my 20s. Like, I just, I thought I was fine. I was like, look at me, I'm fine. But I was never at home in high school. Mm -hmm. I always went to other people's houses. Mm -hmm. I never, you know, I, I did take care. My mom and dad were one area of my life. And, like, my friends and high school and was everything else. So it was like I separated the two, like family, friends and family and life over here, or, you know, the other stuff over here. Mm -hmm. So at that age, I kind of had a split, really. Like I, okay, they're over here. 
this is over here. I never mixed my worlds because, because I didn't like the pressure of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just noticing that now, like, oh, wow, that makes sense. Cause I'll just, I'll, I'm selfish mm-hmm. in ways with people where I want to spend time with people just with me. And, and I know I want you to hang out with us too, but it's like, well, wait, I just want to hang out with Dave mm-hmm. cause he's, I just need some one-on-one time. But wait, I, I need to hang out with them separately because I, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. But yeah, growing up, I mean, I, I didn't feel badly for my parents. Um, I Not badly or I wasn't mad at them for not really grieving and understanding because I didn't understand and I didn't know what to do either. Like, I can't imagine losing your firstborn who like, out of nowhere, literally goes in the hospital on Good Friday, dies Easter Sunday. Jeez. That would be, that would, that would tear me up, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that would just really, so I always had empathy. And I, um, I do have another sister who is eight years older than me. Mm-hmm. And I understand why she, and she was in college at the time. She was 21. So I can't imagine being 21 and like being able to go out and have fun and be almost graduating college and then boom, your best friend's sister passes because- Were they tight? They were very tight. Okay. They were very, very tight. Mm -hmm. They were, they were, yeah, they had each other's backs in their own way. But Mm -hmm. that was what was interesting about Susie. Like how you say with baseball, it's like a utilitary player. Like utility infielder or utility player. Someone that can do everything. Susie could she could she could do it she could she could do it no she uh her and Judy got along in their own way her and me got along in our own way her and dad her and mom but all together all of us it was just very chaotic and weird but separately she could categorize our crazy and make it okay and so I did feel bad like Judy is my other sister and she she went back to Colorado that's where she was attending college at the time and I I remember thinking, good, good, you're you're getting away. Mm-hmm. Like, go, I got this. I'll take care of mom and dad. And um, as I'm saying that, it kind of <laughs> has mirrored a lot of things. Uh, but I remember feeling good that she got to go have a life. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I didn't, but I knew, okay, I, this is going to be our new normal. Now we're at a triangle. It's me, mom, and dad, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So that poor girl had no chance. I mean, Judy was gone in Colorado, and I basically was like, okay, let me just – this is – it's the three of us. And it was like uh, fight or flight or freeze. Like I was like, this is my unit. Mm-hmm. This is my job for the rest of my life, and we're going to be best friends, and Judy can come in and out. Like I became almost like the dictator mm-hmm. of the family in ways because I I just was so afraid. I, I was afraid that – everyone was just going to die. Like I was so fearful every time the phone rang for years. I was like, who died? That was my initial thought mm. right off right out the gate. Cause that's how we found out Susie was going into cardiac arrest. The phone call at four 30 in the morning on Easter Sunday. Mm. So it's just interesting because I, I think that's what happens with my, when I get really freaked out in my sadness or whatever, I'm like, okay, I need to get a plan. I need to get really, so that's why I get really like perfectionistic about our future or this or what. And I become really, really anal mm-hmm. <laughs> about certain things because it's like, okay, let me just, let me hold on to this. Mm-hmm. This is the one thing that's not going to change. Right. Yeah. And, 
and here's what's great is that like all the things are always going to change and that's that's what I have to understand and be willing to learn and willing to be like oh I'm sad today you know and to actually tell you that and not just you know get mad about the trash can Mm -hmm. being like left open or what you know what I mean just whatever it is I I feel like my walls you've helped me so much because I'm like okay just be honest like I don't have to lie and say like I'm working on this and I'm doing this and I'm feeling great and you know I I always had to put on a show for my mom and dad because they were so sad Mm -hmm. growing up and and I also didn't want to Judy kind of reminded me of this like Judy was like this tinkerbell of our family. Like she would just kind of float in and float out. Mm-hmm. And dad loved Judy. Mm-hmm. Mom, we we all were fans. It was funny, but like only in her small role of coming in through to a Christmas break and then leaving. Mm-hmm. Or you know what I mean? Like it was just like, oh, here she is. Here's this blonde, beautiful gal coming in. Okay, bye. And but I was in ground zero. So in my head, I'm like, okay. Now we're back Mm -hmm. day to day. How are we going to make it okay? But I think, and my dad did teach me something. He was very forward thinking, always moving forward. Sometimes I think too much, (laughs) but it was almost like he knew how to keep himself in line. Mm -hmm. And so I think back to that. He always had a hobby. He always had a project. He always had a new interest. He always had a new uh you know project with work or friends or he had his way of surviving and I never really learned those tools because I didn't really understand I was just sort of in like okay family mode or you know missing my sister mode so it's just interesting I know that was an ADHD little roundabout but my sister was rad it sucks that she passed that's one thing it sucks that my mom had a disease and passed as well however and it sucks that my dad passed but that's not all one thing Mm -hmm. and that's what I'm learning I have to separate it okay Susie's death isn't mom's death and Mm -hmm. isn't dad's death I understand it's all the same chord of grief but it's not Mm -hmm. you know I have to I have to, as Dr. Julie says right size it right size the problem and you're really good at that what does she mean by that well if I say how you said, okay, you didn't just get sad by walking down the street mm-hmm. and, you know, somebody shoot gum in your face and you got mad, uh, I could look at that and be like, oh, I had the worst day. I saw this guy and he was chewing gum and it was in my face. Like, so right-sizing the problem. Okay, mm-hmm. well, I got chewed gum in your face. But anyway, that's a small thing. Yeah. Or minim- Or it could be the other way like yeah no big deal my sister died on easter long story short okay bye and i can't talk about it in that way so right sizing it in the opposite way so you're trying to negotiate how to you know make things into your head better Mm -hmm. i guess and just my my thing is look like i just i'm never gonna dominate depression grief you know no one will but you'll learn (coughs) Like, I appreciate the time with my dad. I appreciate the time with my mom. I appreciate the time with my sister Susie. And sometimes I can get lost in that, and it could make me sad. You know? I could go, and and that's focusing on the past. Mm-hmm. And like you said yesterday, you were like, 
future or not future you can only be present Mm -hmm. like that's our only cure Mm -hmm. (laughs) really and it's true and and a grieving person it for me it feels very hard to be present well i was trying to make the analogy or or the comparison that um it's hard to articulate but present day you miss the past with them yeah you miss those years that you spent with Susie and with your parents and all that, which is totally understandable. But if you take yourself back to that time when you were with them, that Katie didn't have what present day Katie has. And that could, and I'm not just saying me, but the life that you have now, you didn't have that back then. So it's, it's this weird like cosmic trade-off. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I lost the people that I had back then. Right. But back then I didn't have what I have now. Yeah. I've just, I'm constantly, when when you do get sad, I'm just thinking of ways to articulate and, and to perspective to hopefully make you feel a little better. And that's, no, and that that's is... just something I thought like, and my point yesterday when we had a talk about this was, and I've said this before, but... No, they can't die again. You're not going to lose them again. And short of you getting amnesia, you those memories, all the memories you have with them, no one can take that away from you. Those memories and all that joy that you had with your family, those, those memories will always be there. And their spirit will always be here. And everything they gave to you that, that makes up who you are. The values, the principles, the experiences, no one can take that away from you either. So my point is you can only lose them once, and that's already happened. So it it can't get worse than that. Yeah. So now the reality has set in that, okay, my mom's gone, my dad's gone, my sister's gone, my aunt's gone. As awful as that is, that Band-Aid's already been peeled off. It ain't going to get peeled off again. So now what you're left with is your memories yeah. and your values and your experiences. And no one can take that away from you. That will never leave you. That's true. That's true. Well, thank you. I just, yeah. It's interesting. It really is. I, I When you said that yesterday, and thank you for... I know riding the waves of this is just so hard. No, I, I hard do. You me. almost feel like you're kind of losing it at times because you're like, wait, I was fine a week ago. You know, I was buying candles and now I'm, you know, but eating my hair. That's life without loss. People who haven't lost their parents and their sister. One minute you're great and the next minute you're not. That's yeah. just life in general. Yeah. You know? It is. So especially add in some some loss or some emotional trauma or what have you, then yeah, that's to be expected. But like I said earlier, don't you shouldn't beat yourself up because you're sad about this. Yeah. Beat yourself up if you're if if Starbucks ruins your day. Well, that's but, a but very big problem. Don't, though. don't I mean, beat yourself up <laughs> if if you get sad about the loss of friends or family or whomever. Yeah. You know. Well, you're mourning also who you were with them mm-hmm. in a way, I believe, as well. Like, I, 
I did have a role in my family mm-hmm. for a very long time that I was used to. In fact, I held it like a an award. <laughs> I was honored mm-hmm. that I got to be the codependent, enmeshed little psycho. Mm-hmm. But now coming out of that, it's like I only – it's weird. I only remember a lot of good stuff, but I know that there's a lot – all humans are – human Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of bad too and that's okay Mm -hmm. you can have both you have both memories but it doesn't mean i i think i just once it becomes self-focused once it's about okay oh me 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 and that's the thing with depression that i've noticed is that depressed really depressed people seem narcissistic Mm -hmm. and up their own butts because they're only talking about themselves Mm -hmm. or you know seem really down about everything else well that's just them their point of view on themselves and Mm -hmm. everything. They're not being dishonest or trying to be a bummer. Mm -hmm. It's just, this is what it sounds like, you know? And so (laughs) we do have to have grace for people in that way. And I totally understand, but then it's like, you have to keep moving forward. I mean, I didn't know how I wasn't like, I'm fine and I'm going to continue to be fine, but it was just funny. There are little red flags with me when I know I'm a little, like, uh-oh, I'm not, I'm a little too sad. Like, my face breaks out in, no, truly, it's like God being like, here, look at the mirror, you're sad, <laughs> go get help. <laughs> or, you know, my face breaks out, I start just getting more negative and very more uh, prickly. I become mm-hmm. prickly. Mm-hmm. And then I don't notice it until I hurt somebody, <laughs> not myself, but like, you know, just in how I am. I just seem different. And so I was in therapy the other day and we were talking about my nephew who used to live with my dad uh, and now lives with his dad in Florida. Long story short, he was in California. We were very close and he moved to Florida after dad passed. Mm-hmm. Um, and my counselor was asking, well, 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 is that a bond that you can, you know, have you, have you talked to him? And I was like, no. <laughs> and she was like, why? And I was like, well, I just don't want to remind him of the death of my father. <laughs> and she goes, dang it, Katie. Jesus, that was dark. And I'm, she's like, why don't you just text him and say hi? Or yeah. you know what I mean? It doesn't. But in my head, I'm like, no, I'm doing this for you. I'm not contacting you because I'm going to make you too sad. Like I've made everybody a Greek tragedy in my life. Mm-hmm. When it's like, no, they're trying to grow and learn and be better. And I just... I just get into a frozen mode where then I'm like, all right, I'm a statue now. Later. Bye, everyone around me. So, yeah, I just think once that happened on the counseling appointment, I was like, oh, (laughs) I may be in a little bit of a funk. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been good. I'm waking myself out of it. Uh, But, yeah, I, I appreciate that because, honestly, the moment I know being mindful and all that crap, like, that's really... All we have is like the moment right now. Yeah, that's that's what I took from the loss of my father was the appreciation of the present. Mm. I can't go back. I'd love to have a time machine. I'd give anything to go back and watch a Braves game with him or take <laughs> him to lunch. But I can't do that. And I wish that when I was there, I was more present. And I can't do anything about that. But what I can control yeah. is the actual present who's in front of me now who am i talking to today just appreciating the present and 
I've been guilty uh, of ignoring the present for the future. What do you mean? Well, spending so much time planning and worrying about the future. Oh, you know, I, I want my career to be here one day. I want mm-hmm. my personal life to be here one day. I want my material life. I want to have a house one day. That's all fine and dandy, but appreciate what you have today. And losing my dad has really made me focus more on the present and not necessarily the past and not necessarily the future. The future is important. The past has some value. I, I've, I've never been someone who dwells in the past. You can learn from your past, but don't dwell on it. And you can reminisce and, and appreciate your past, but I've always thought future's the most important. You know, mm. where am I, what am I doing next year? What am I doing tomorrow? And the future is important to a certain degree, but I don't think anything's as important as the present because we are guaranteed the present, not to get all meta, but we're not guaranteed the future. Yeah. I have this second right now, and as each second passes and I continue to exist, that's all I have. But there's no guarantee that I even have tomorrow. Yeah. So why not spend more time and focus and energy on the present? And that's what I try to do with you and with our family and our situation and even my career. Yes, I would like to be playing theaters and I'd love to have a Netflix special. But guess what? The reality of the present ain't too bad either. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So. Being being grateful for what we do have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what's so hard about grief is that it really does make you just greet. Like, I do feel that way sometimes. Like, I'm greedy. I want more time. Mm-hmm. I want more time with Susie. I want to know what Susie would be like now. I want to know she, you know, I want to know what dad would think of where we live. I want to know what mom would do what you know i want them to be here Mm -hmm. you know and and unfortunately physically that isn't an option Mm -hmm. so i do personally believe that they are with us Mm -hmm. i do believe i feel my dad and mom and Susie all the time and and joni i definitely Mm -hmm. do Mm -hmm. and i know that they're it makes me so happy that they're out of pain Mm -hmm. it really does it makes my heart like happy to know because i saw how hard it is when the older body gets older and Mm -hmm. and what happens mentally as well like you just feel so i mean i would feel so annoyed Mm -hmm. like my body i can't just take my body over there and like walk to the door you know i had to like help my dad with so much same with my mom and and that's just the way it was it's nothing they could have done they just you know yeah, they could have preventatively like eat well or whatever, but your your body gets older and I, I know how much pain that could be. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people hold on, you know, for the people around them. Mm-hmm. A lot of older people, it seems to be like, all right, they need me around, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, and we talked about this when your dad passed, um, you know, and I don't have any training or background in any of this. This is all just barstool psychology but uh in my opinion and maybe i've heard this said i'm not trying to pass this off as an incredibly original idea but if you think about it grief is rooted in selfishness in that take your dad for example well well, the Susie thing's different like i said she was 23 she was in the prime of her life but you take an 80 year old man or woman or whomever 
who's towards the end of their life, if they're in not if, if they're in pain, if, if medically they're not doing well, um, when they pass, it, well, this is also connected on whether or not you believe in some sort of afterlife, but let's pretend that there is a heaven, there is an afterlife, and let's also pretend that when we get there, we know people from our earthly life. Well, from your dad's perspective, it was a glorious day hmm. when he passed because A, he's no longer in pain, and B, he gets to go reunite with his wife and reunite with his daughter, you know. And and I, none of us know if this is real, but I'd like to think that in my, in, you know, in my brain, I would love to think that right now, whether it be heaven or whatever it is, that somewhere in some celestial plane, that your mom and your dad and your sister are all sitting around enjoying a coffee together. Yeah. And maybe my dad's there. And they're all hanging out and hmm. reading the newspaper and talking stories. And you, do you know what I mean? Listening so like, to the Eagles of, on a. Of course, <laughs> weird it was radio. sad. Of course, we are sad that those people are gone. But think about if what I'm saying, pretend it, and I don't know that it's not true, but I don't know that it's true. I mean, the, the age old question what happens when we die? But let's just pretend there is an afterlife and that it is glorious and that we do get to reconnect with people that we knew on earth. The day your dad died, from his perspective, of course he's going to miss you and he's going to miss the people he left behind. But hey, guess what? I get to see, I get reunited with my wife today. I get reunited with my daughter today. I get to rid my body of all this pain and sickness and disease. So now it's just vacation time. They're just up there chilling, having a good time. My dad was very good too at moving forward Mm -hmm. he was he was just like okay next thing next thing and sometimes to a detriment but like that was something I always had a hard time with you know the next thing the next thing the keep going Mm -hmm. and the you know he was just very good at training himself to do that and I my dad and I uh oh boy he was just funny he was just weird and funny (laughs) he was just Uh, I just remember moving up here and I remember telling you this because, you know, I'm all woo, woo, woo. I believe in all the signs and whatever. You know, I see a blue jay. I think my dead sister's talking to me. So don't listen to me if, you know, know that I know that I'm a psychopath. Um, But on the way here, it was my last drive with all of our stuff from Long Beach to move to West Hollywood. Mm -hmm. This was after dad passed, you guys. And I was... We were moving. We were in the middle of just transitioning our entire life up here. And I was so fearful. I was like, am I doing the right thing? Am I, you know, I didn't know. And and my dad, whom loved all classic rock. I mean, you name it, he loved it. Yeah. But uh, he especially loved the smash hit uh, band, the Eagles, <laughs> and which Dave loves so much. <laughs> <laughs> never been a huge fan, but... I appreciate that he liked them. But I never even realized the Eagles sang the following song. I I just turned on the radio. I was driving the car up and I look and and we're all, I'm almost at our apartment and there's a huge mural of sparrows, blue jays, birds on the on the wall and then the song I'm already gone is playing. Mm-hmm. Um and if you listen to the Eagle song, I'm already gone. It's like a party. Like, hey, I'm already gone. Go. Be free. Have fun. Katie, go. 
be free. I'm done. I'm here. I'm already having fun. I'm up here. And it, and it made me laugh and cry because I was like, of course, that's his song to me. <laughs> and, and of course, moving on and, and, and living a righteous life is a, is a tip of the cap mm-hmm. to all of them. Yeah. You know, staying present and mm-hmm. working through this stuff is a tip of the tip of the cap. Mm-hmm. What is it? Tip of the hat? Something. Mm-hmm. But I just, um, because his personality was just so zany and weird. And I just feel all their presence in different ways. But hearing the Eagle song <laughs> on the way up here just made me giggle and laugh. And I think that's how my dad always wants to be remembered is just a big giggle and a laugh. Like he was just this huge person. Mm-hmm. And so was Susie. Mm-hmm. And so was my mom. We had, we have some strong personalities in our family. Yeah. And I'm honored that I got to have a mom and dad like that. Mm-hmm. I'm honored I have sisters like I do. I have a sister now and I have a heavenly sister. I'm honored at my husband. I'm honored at the people around me. I I truly choose people around me that are big personalities. I I like them big. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) because it makes me appreciate, it just feels like home. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why I've always loved L.A. and, you know, movies and TV and stuff because it's just big personalities it's just there there it is the biggest personalities in the world all in a city mm-hmm. <laughs> and i love it because it's like it just gives me aliveness mm-hmm. and i know i can be that too i'm just a big personality in general i know that i'm like a bull in a china shop but i want to use my powers for good mm-hmm. and i don't want to just be a sad sack so yeah accept the sad sackness but like keep it moving well i think you're doing a good job both Stop it. Want to talk about the smash hit baseball trivia I have for you? (laughs) Yeah, there's something else we're going to talk about today, but I think we'll wait. I think it's a little heavy. Yeah, that was a little heavy, too. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) That's all right. I'm incapable. Guys, it's not going to be just depression podcast, I promise. (laughs) But I did have to acknowledge Well, of course. And I appreciate whoever's on this journey. Yeah. And, you know, from a... uh, a little show note here. I mean, obviously, listeners of this podcast have, have noticed, um, you know, we, we do miss weeks here and there. Um, but that's because there, there's several reasons for that. But mainly, we want this to be a, a fun experience, not only for the listener, but for us. And, yeah. you know, some, some weeks, <laughs> you're just not in the mood to record. You're just not in the mood to talk. I know me personally, having two podcasts and my whole livelihood is based on me running my damn mouth right. whether it be stand up podcast what have you and i'd rather miss a week than than to phone it in or force something or i don't know just yeah we could probably benefit from being a little more uh professional and routine but also i we're not i i want this podcast to succeed but it's I not too. my life's mission to be the world's biggest podcaster Right, and it's I'd, not, yeah. I'd rather just uh, do less episodes and then be more sincere mm-hmm. than to just phone in one every week, even if we're not feeling like it. And it'd be different, too, if I had a podcast about baseball or mm-hmm. whatever, something that's just, I could, but, you know, 
this podcast is is rooted in our lives and our emotions and our relationship and some weeks you just don't feel like hearing yourself talk so we miss a week here and there and um you know yeah, that, and that I, just be that as it may i think intention's a big thing yeah when i want to sit down and do this awesome podcast I, my intention is to share all the weird crap i've tried mm-hmm. self helpy journal all the all that stuff is to share this stuff mm-hmm. so maybe someone will get oh inspired or i don't want to do it that way i'll do it mm-hmm. this way or whatever i can do to help you know shine a light to all those neurodivergent mm-hmm. weirdos out there i i i think just having someone <laughs> telling you hey this is what i did mm-hmm. it didn't necessarily work or whatever but like you could try it mm-hmm. i don't know yeah. i just want to show show up in the way that's authentic and true. And I'm not going to just show up and be, you know, happy Katie when I, when I can't. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. But I also would love to get back into calls. Yeah. I miss calls. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get back. Okay. We're going to get back into it. I'm excited. Yeah. We're going to, we've talked a lot of off air, you know, not to show too much behind the scene, but we're going to make some tweaks, some adjustments and, um, you know, try to make this thing, um, a little more palatable for a, a, a wider audience. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're aware. But listen, I, I I just think you're great. Well, thank you, Boo. I think you're great. Uh, and uh, I'm proud of you. And, and I'm, I'm he- proud of you. I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. And don't beat yourself up for being sad. You know, sometimes you just need to be sad. But then when the time is right, figure out how to pull yourself out of bed and go on and continue moving forward. So, yeah. But no pressure. Uh, cause like I say, I'm, I'm thick or thin, baby. I'm not a fair weather husband. I'm it's a- okay. If you, if you need to go, it's fine. Nope. I always say that to him. Oh my gosh, how sick. I'm always like, it's fine. If you need to go, <laughs> just don't tell me you're cheating on me. No. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned, uh, we'll, we'll lighten it up here. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is a, uh, it, it's odd mm-hmm. that this is the, such a rough time of year for you. <laughs> Because it is absolutely my favorite time of year. Because baseball's back. It's back. Yes. It's back. Oh, I love it so much. And how happy are you that it's back? Oh, I, like, lo- I missed it so much. I and bet. I love watching my Braves. <laughs> they're off to a pretty good start. They, they struggled last week against the Padres, but uh, yeah, it's, they're a fun team to watch. And well, let the Padres win. They have horrible yes. outfits. <laughs> they do. They have pee and poo outfits. Brown and yellow. I just don't get it. Brown, but, yellow. But yeah, you mentioned Pee-poo. you want to do uh, to quiz me a little more. On I some do. Baseball. I love. Uh, I do. I've said in the past, um, I'm decent at trivia. My specialties would probably be Seinfeld and baseball, mm-hmm. and a little bit of geography and history. I'd say Sopranos. Uh, yeah, Sopranos. So, some movie stuff, but I feel like baseball is probably one of my uh, strongest categories of trivia. Okay. So, uh, given that uh, baseball is back. Uh, you suggested uh, you, you give me a little quiz. How many how many questions are you gonna ask me? Today? Okay, so I'm gonna ask you ten. Ten. All right. Let's, okay. Let's predict. Uh, now, now, where are these coming from? You just Google baseball trivia, or yeah, this okay. is from the smash hit site that I did a lot of research on mm-hmm. called the Sporting Blog. Okay, the Sporting Blog. All right, so ten questions. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a prediction. Now, I haven't seen these. Well, that's the thing. You never know if they're what degree of difficulty they are. Yeah. But if these are just generic yeah. baseball common knowledge questions, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to bat eight hundred. I'm gonna get eight out of ten correct. 
Let's see if I can do that. I'm so excited. Right. Bring okay. it on. Bring it on. Lady. Here we go. Number one. <laughs> Who won the most? Okay, so I don't know how to say. Okay, I'm I'm changing. That's fine. Changing it up. I don't even know what the CY awards are. What's a CY Young? Uh, Cy Young. Cy Young was a pitcher back in the early 1900s, and now there's an award called the Cy Young Award, uh, which is given to the best pitcher in each league. Every oh, year. okay. So then I'll, I'll yeah. ask Cy this Young. then. I thought this mm-hmm. was just a weird typo. No. No. Okay. Who won the most Cy Young Awards in Major League Baseball? I'm pretty sure that is Roger Clemens with seven. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want me to tell you the right answers? Sure. I think that's after good. I answer. Yeah. Yeah. You tell after me you answer. Right okay. Now this means nothing to you because you're not a baseball fan, but uh, for baseball fans, speaking of Cy Young, the biggest uh, mind twister. I could not wrap my mind around the fact the most dominant pitcher of the '60s, '70s, and '80s would arguably arguably be a guy named Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan was just. I a even stud. know that name. Just Wheaties. Yeah, I'm sure he was on Wheaties box. box. He threw, I think, seven no-hitters. Just absolutely dominant. Never won a Cy Young Award. Really? Also, I might believe that if his career was cut short from injury, like he was so dominant. Like Bo Jackson, for example, was dominant in both baseball and football, but he didn't rack up a lot of career awards because his career got cut short with injury. Nolan Ryan pitched like 24 seasons. Wow. Dominant, never won a Cy Young Award. Wow. How crazy is that? Anyway, so I got the first one. All right, good job, good job. Okay, here we go. Who is the most career runs scored in Major League Baseball history? Runs scored. Do, 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 do. do. Now, do these give us options? I'm not going to give you options. There are no options. It just says answer. Run scored, well, it would have to be somebody that got on base a lot. It would have to be someone that got a lot of base hits. Pete Rose got the most base hits. Ty Cobb got the second most. Career runs scored run in Major scored. League uh, Why do I history. feel like it's Hank Aaron? Nope. Who is it? Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth. Most runs scored. Okay. Interesting. interesting. With 2,174 runs. Okay. See, that's a weird stat in that, like, it's ironic that that's the most important stat in baseball in terms of scoring runs is how you win games. Yeah. But I don't know. It's not as uh, glamorous as like base hits or home runs or RBIs. That's that's a weird category, runs scored. That means they got on base a lot and then someone else drove them in. Oh, I see. Unless, yeah, like, that's kind of. But unless you hit a home run, you can score yourself. So it's someone who got a lot of home runs, someone who got a lot of hits. Ideally, someone that's kind of fast. But, uh, yeah, Babe Ruth, I would not have guessed that. Interesting. Even though he had the, what, third most home runs? Anyway, go ahead. All right, here we go. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Who has the most career-perfect games in Major League Baseball history? Oh, jeez. Yeah, the career-perfect game. That's the other thing with baseball trivia that's hard. It's like I can, in my brain, I know who the best players of my generation were, mm-hmm. or like when I was a kid until now. But then some of these trivia questions, it's always some guy you never heard of from 1897. Right. You know? Yeah, that's true. Uh, but you do watch baseball history documentaries on loop. That's so. true. That's true. Most <laughs> perfect games. 
He's buying himself time, everybody. Would it be Cy Young? Nope. Christy Mathenson? Nope. Want me to tell you? One more try. Do you know what a perfect game is, by the way? Is that just when you, like, I don't know, like hit well? <laughs> it's similar to a no-hitter. You can throw a no-hitter. A no-hitter means nobody got a, a base hit. But that doesn't necessarily mean no one got on base. Because you could throw a no-hitter, and you could still allow a walk. You can get on base by a walk. You can get on base by being hit by a pitch. Uh, but a perfect game is a no-hitter that also no walks, no hit by pitch. Nobody even got on base. Oh, wow. Now, I don't know if that pertains to errors. Like someone might be able to get on base via error and it still be a perfect game. I'm not sure. But anyway, basically a perfect game is nobody even got on base. Wow. Basically. I don't okay. know everything. Ah, uh, jeez. So I said Christy Mathenson. Uh-huh. I said Cy Young. Uh-huh. You have one more. One more try. Come on now. Is it a name you recognize? No. Okay. Of course, that could mean. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, true. I, but I do know Nolan Ryan. I do know that name. Christy Mathenson, Cy Young. Who was else was dominant back in the early days? Uh, I know. I'm, I'm just going to ba- get Tom Seaver. Roy Holiday. Roy Holiday. Yeah. He has since passed. He was a young man. He died. Two. He had two. Yeah, two. So perfect that's interesting. Proving. I was. That was my next question. Who? Yeah, two. Two. Well, well do you see how rare it is yeah. that the guy with the most career yes. perfect games only has two? Yes. Huh. Okay. So I've, I'm, I'm one so, for three right now. Yeah, you're one. So for I've three. hit my limit. If I, I got to run the table okay, now. Okay, you got to. Okay, here we go, Boo. Damn Come it. on now. Come on. All right. <clears throat> I'm gonna try maybe a different type of. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Let's let's change it up. Mm-hmm. Who is the owner of the Boston Red Sox? Oh Jesus! Who is currently the owner? Yep. I have no fucking idea. I don't know owners. Sean <laughs> Henry. Like yeah, I would, I don't well, know I don't know. That's all right. I don't know what you know. That's you know. Okay. So that's four. Oh boy. God, I'm okay. sucking. Which team plays at Fenway Park? Oh, that's easy. Boston Red Sox. There we go. There okay, we go. you got, got two. That. I got two out of five. Two out of five. Here we go. All right. <clears throat> Which team plays at Comercia, Comerica Park? Comerica Park. Uh huh. I feel like that's San Diego Padres. Damn it, Comerica. Chicago White Sox. Fuck, I don't know. Detroit Tigers. Detroit Tigers. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. It's it's really. <laughs> okay, I won't do owners anymore. Yeah. Let's go to oh, who is the most career uh the most career walks. In a single season. In a single season? In Major oh, League Baseball history. Most I'm gonna say walks. I'm gonna say Barry Bonds. You're right, yeah. Barry Bonds. Two hundred and thirty two. And most of those were intentional. Do you know what an intentional walk is? No. Do you know what a walk is? Yeah, walk is when you don't strike out but that you just you get to go to the first base. Why? Because you got balls. How many? Four. There you go. Uh, an yes. intentional walk. This happened to Barry Bonds so much, especially the year he broke the single season home run record. Uh, he was such a scary hitter that teams would be like, uh, we're going to intentionally walk him. I'd rather him get to first than hit a home run or a double or a triple. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they would intentionally walk him. He even got intentionally walked with the bases loaded. No. 
their mind, the other team's mindset is, I'd rather let one run go in and him walk to for than him possibly hit a grand slam or hit a double or triple and drive in three or four. You know what I'm saying? So right. he's one of the few players that has been intentionally walked with the bases loaded. That's how scary wow. he was in his prime. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. Who is the all-time leader in home run in home runs in Major League Baseball? Career or single season? All-time leader in home runs. Yeah, it doesn't matter because it's the same person, Barry Bonds. Yep. Yeah. Yes. There's an asterisk by that in the I don't know if in the official rule books, but in the common uh, the common opinion, public opinion of baseball fans, uh, because uh, steroids. He was questionably. Oh. I don't know if he officially got busted for steroids, but it was like. He, him and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, they all, like, if you look at pictures of Barry Bonds when he was a rookie, he was he'd probably about 6'1". His rookie year, he was probably a buck 70. Oh. A few years later, he's like 220. Oh, like my a, looks God. Looks like a fucking bodybuilder. And everybody's oh. like, uh, <laughs> you probably had some help with that. Okay, here we go. Uh, going into your baseball history book. Ready? In what year was the first World Series played? Oh, shit. Do, 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 do. You watch those documentaries. I know. Oh, this is sad because, listen, I know you watch those as much as I watch Vanderpump, so. The first World Series. Do, 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 do. 1910. 1903. Oh, three, damn it. Hey. Hey, it's okay. You just oh, don't I'm know sorry. much about baseball. <laughs> Just you know, suck. you really suck. <laughs> yeah, really. Suck. Ask me a few more. Okay. Whew. Okay. Uh, there's ten answers to this. Okay. How many teams have never won the World Series? There's ten. Oh, jeez. And if you can name all ten, you you win the prize. How's that? Well, see, this is confusing because do we mean <laughs> franchises? Do we mean teams? Um, I don't know. Okay. Oh, okay. Let me. Let me. I. I can't get. I'm sure I can't get ten. Do some of those names look like old teams you've never heard of, or do they all look like modern teams? Uh. Yeah. Modern teams. Okay. Actually. Let's think. Who has? I'll start with present never. day, current never day. Never won. Who has never won? Uh. There's ten. I don't think Tampa Bay. The Tampa Bay Rays have they? Yep. They, you're right. Okay, That's one. So they got to be on there. Uh. Colorado Rockies. You're gotta right. Be on there. Yep. Arizona Diamondbacks have no Arizona won in in 01. They beat the Yankees. Uh, so when the uh, so Rays Rockies have the Padres. Nope. They're Good on, job. They're, that, on, that they're list. on the list. There's three. Um. Marlins have won. Nationals have won. Phillies have won. I assume the Phil- surely the Phillies have won. Um. Mets have won, Yankees have won, of course. Red All right, Sox, I'll give White you. A, Sox, want me to give you a little hint? Kansas City Royals have won. Who? Uh, yeah, give me a hint. Uh, uh, Shamil, Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, the never Brewers did it. Have never won. Have the Texas Rangers? Are they on that list? They are on that They're list. On that There's five. five. You're at five. Uh, You're at five. Come on, man. Surely the Cardinals have won. St. Louis Cardinals are probably not on that list. Um, Seattle Mariners? Yep. They're Number on the six. List. That's six? Okay. Yep. A's have won. The Giants have won. Oh, Angels? 
Have the Angels ever won a World Series? I guess they have because they're not on this list. Interesting. When did the Angels win a World Series? Okay. I don't know. I like that they won, though. It's kind of um, cute. Angels won the world. Think of it philosophically. Philosophically. That's pretty good. I learned to read. Um, no, I didn't do that voice. Sorry. So six Strike I've got. Yeah, four left. I know you can do this. Come on. Come on, Dave. Think. Think. Where was Second City, for example? Chicago? Yeah. The Cubs have won and the White Sox have won. Hello, it says Chicago Cubs. Well, this is fucking old because they won in 2016. It also says Houston Astros. And they have won, yeah. This is an old old quiz. Okay. Yeah, so that's this, all, right. all right. I got most of them. You did okay. good. Yeah. You did good. Yeah, Cubs okay. won in 16. The Astros okay. won in 17. All right. How many teams have won the World Series in three consecutive years? Three consecutive years. All right, and I'll tell you how many. Yeah, tell me and I'll tell you who they are. Three. Three. So who's the father, son, and Holy Spirit? Who's the mother, daughter, Holy Spirit? I feel like the Holy Yankees Spirit? have got to be in there. Are the Yankees? Have they won it three? Yep. Okay. Good job, boo. Good job. Good job. Oakland A's? Yes. In the 70s, probably. Cincinnati Reds? The big No, machine? you're right. New York Yankees, and it says Oakland Athletics. And then there's one more. And it says New York Yankees again. So oh, really, they've won just... it three. They did it two different times. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. But you got both. Yeah. There you go. Look at that. I'm so proud of you. Good job. Okay. Two more. We'll wrap it up. How many teams? No. That I can't believe that's a question. <laughs> that's a question for me. How many teams play in the World Series? <laughs> 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 okay. Here we go. All right. Um. Okay. Which baseball legend was known as the Yankee Clipper? Joe DiMaggio. Yes, good job. Dated Marilyn Monroe. Really? Mm-hmm. That's, oh, she had some demons. Anyway, okay, who has the, nope, we already did that one. I'm sorry. <gasps> Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Final question. Make it a good Final one. question. Okay, I love when people save each other, so I'm going to go with this. Who has the most career saves in Major League Baseball history? Career saves. That's interesting. That's a tough one. Do you know what a save is? Is that when, no. A save <laughs> is when a pitcher comes in at the, uh, usually the ninth inning. I mean, it get, could be extra innings. I don't think you could get a save prior to the ninth inning. But it's when a uh, pitcher comes in, the, the team leading in the ninth or in the extra innings, um, their pitcher comes in and holds the lead. I think technically the, for it to be a save, um, you can only be the winning team can only be leading by three runs or less. Mm-hmm. If we're up ten to one in the ninth inning and our pitcher comes in, he doesn't get a save because he had a nine run buffer. But if if you're winning by three runs or less and the pitcher comes in and shuts down the other team to end the game, that, mm-hmm. that's a save. Okay. So yeah, it's a relief pitcher's job. Um or now you would call it a closer. Then you have different types of pitchers now you have starting pitcher but relief pitcher is just a catch-all for anybody who's not a starting pitcher mm-hmm. but then usually a team has your closer the guy who comes in in the ninth and, okay and, sh- and shuts it down okay who has the most career saves um dennis eckersley nope 
One more try. This is it, guys. One more try. Career saves. It's a four-syllable first name. Four-syllable first name. Uh-huh. Mariano okay. Rivera. Yes! Yes. Okay, bonus. Do you know how many career saves he, he had? And this is this is for all the marbles. And by marbles, I mean just for your personal Let's victory. say for simple math, let's say he played 20 seasons. Uh, usually the leader each year has around 50. So if he had 50 times 20, it would be 1,000. I don't think he had that many. I'm going to say Mariano Rivera had uh, – 600 career saves. Oh, so close. 652. Okay. Wow. I am impressed. Thank you, boo. This was very good. Yeah, I mean, I talk a big game, but, like, there's just so much trivia out there that it's impossible to know. Yeah. I'm good with, like, who led the league in home runs that year and who – I'm good with career stats. And yeah. I don't know owners, <laughs> and I don't know what happened in the 1800s. But uh, – <laughs> you crushed it. I uh, love a good baseball trivia. Oh good times, boo. Uh, word of mouth this week. You got anything? Oh, yeah. Um, I am so excited because there's this hot dude that's coming out with a new special. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> March 5th. It's called Pack a Lunch. May and 5th. May 5th. Uh-huh. That's the word. Yep. <laughs> May 5th, Pack a Lunch. My favorite comedian, <laughs> David Gainstone, is coming out with a special, y'all. Yay. And uh, everyone needs to tune in and see it because it's going to be on YouTube. Be on and YouTube, I'm so excited. May 5th. And uh, right now, you could go directly to blondemedicine.com and pre order the 2LP on colored splatter vinyl. Uh, the same special will be in vinyl form. Taking pre orders now. Uh, it's a it's a double LP, so it's a little pricier than your regular standard single. I think it's thirty five bucks, but uh, from what I hear, they're moving fairly quick. And oh, there's, that's there's awesome! Only five hundred copies. Oh wow! So uh, if you have any interest in all, uh, might as well might as well go ahead and get on that blondemedicine.com, and uh, my name or the album cover should be on there. It should be easy to find once you go to the website. But yeah, you can pre-order that now, thirty-five bucks plus shipping. And the name of the album, uh, Pack a Lunch. Yeah, it is. And it'll ship in uh, in August. Awesome. And I think the first couple days they had a glitch or something where when if you go if you tried to buy it, the shipping was like thirty bucks. Oh God. But uh, shipping in uh, the continental U.S. should be like nine dollars and sixty cents or something like that. Okay. Um. So yeah, but yeah, there you go. Oh. Uh, that was a plug, but you had an actual word of mouth you wanted to share. Well, that's a word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, I'm sorry, you're right. That is a plug, but I just got excited, you know. Thank you, and uh, I'm watching the Netflix series called Unstable. Now, this is starring Rob Lowe and his son. Mm-hmm. I forget his name. John Lowe. It's something mm-hmm. very similar to Rob. Uh, you know, anyway. But it's created by Rob Lowe's son, who wrote... Uh, he, I think he directed and stars in Unstable, and it's sort of about it's about grief. Mm. There's a lot of grief talk. The okay. in the pilot, you learn that this like Steve Jobs esque Roblo character, who's like an engineer in this imaginary world. It's not imaginary; it's present day. Uh, 
lost his wife named uh-huh. Katie. Okay. And he's grieving and his son comes back to kind of help him and they help each other. And it is kind of cheesy, but it's beautiful and sweet and a nice little like, you know, it's like a nice jam on a toast. There you go. It's not, you know, this isn't going to sustain you for life, but I really love what they did. It's a good and treat. you and you see the psychological work of it, I mean, it's literally like therapy in a show. Mm-hmm. So I, I say have fun, don't judge it, and you might cry. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Boo? Anywhere uh, else? Man, I've been watching, still on my movie kick. I've uh, pumped the brakes a little bit now the baseball's back. But uh, man, the last few months I've just really been on a movie kick, and specifically like 70s American, yeah. 70s American cinema. Yes. Uh, been watching so many good ones. Um, but one I saw years ago with my dad, and as a kid, I didn't appreciate it or think much of it, uh, but I have since gone back and rewatched it. Now, not a fun, feel-good, <laughs> easy watch, but if you just want to really sink your teeth into just a good movie, mm-hmm. again, not all great movies are easy to watch or fun subject matter, mm-hmm. um, but man... I really enjoyed going back and watching the classic, I think it's from 1971, Papillon. Ooh. Yes, Papillon is the titular character uh, played by Steve McQueen and um, Dustin Hoffman co-stars. And they are both prisoners at Devil's Island uh, in French Guiana. Ooh. And... um, yeah, it starts off there. There, I think it's set. Uh, I'm trying to think when it's set. I think it's set uh, in the early 1900s, around Depression era, because I think there's some talk about Dustin Hoffman's crime involving some financial stuff that maybe was connected to the Great Depression and uh, Black Friday and all that. Uh, is it Black Friday? The day the market crashed. What do they call that anyway? Black Friday isn't that the Thanksgiving sale? Yeah, it is. But uh, I feel like initially. Uh, hmm. What was the day that the stock market crashed? I think there was a similar name for that. Anyway, uh, it's it's a prison movie, but the acting is just top-notch. Um, Steve McQueen's great. Dustin Hoffman's great. There's some other great characters. But just uh, life in this horrible, just primitive island prison. Wow. And uh, Wow. There's a scene. There's two different scenes. Uh this isn't a spoiler, but uh, Steve McQueen's character, Papillon, uh, mm-hmm. at one point in the movie, he goes to solitary confinement for two straight years. You know, the, the old hole, throw him in the hole. Yeah. Um, and then he gets out. This movie takes place over the course of like 20 or 30 years because the, these guys are serving long sentences. Another time he does something, he gets tossed in, the, in solitary confinement for five years. Oh, his character. I know it's just a character, no. but five years he spent just in the hole, dark, alone, cold, like literally didn't, they don't get to even go out for an hour a day for, for recreation. They just slide your meals through the little uh, door slot there. But yeah, this one character spent a two year stint and a five year stint in solitary confinement. Oh, my God. And uh, Dustin Hoffman, they kind of befriend each other in that uh, Dustin Hoffman's kind of a, well, he's obviously uh, a slight smaller fella, and he, he's in there for, like, financial, like, white-collar stuff, so he's not, like, a big, burly, 
criminal yeah. who can like defend himself in a gnarly prison. But uh, Steve McQueen kind of is that dude, so he uh, befriends him, and uh, you know he looks out for Dustin Hoffman in exchange for some financial stuff. And um, but yeah, just the, the the politics and the nuance of prison life, and a lot of times that can be just depressing as hell. That's I don't like watching too much of the real prison shows, just because as a man, that's one of my biggest fears is yeah. going to prison for yeah. one year, 10 years, 30 yeah. years. Uh, that To me, that's short of something happening to you. That's about the worst thing that could happen to my life as I wind up in prison, which Ooh. almost did, knock on wood. Yikes. Um, but yeah, so some of the real life stuff, it, it's so real and scary that it bums me out. I don't like to watch that stuff. But in a movie context, you know, in, in, in the terms of a film, uh, sometimes prison movies can be great. And uh, speaking of which, the same day, I think, just inadvertently, I didn't really set out to do this, but I watched two prison movies the same day. I watched Papillon, and then I watched another classic, uh, Escape from Alcatraz Ooh. with Clint Eastwood. Uh, also, fantastic prison movie. Wow. So if you're just in the mood for some good old-fashioned <laughs> yeah, prison Dave's films. Yeah, been on a prison kick. Should, uh, is everything okay? <laughs> Papillon and Escape from Alcatraz, just two, like... Again, not necessarily feel-good movies, but movies that when you're done watching them, at least you feel like you've had a meal. You yeah. feel satiated. Like, okay, that yeah. was a fucking movie. So, uh, yeah. Not, necess- not necessarily new. Should we talk know? about Dave's <laughs> No, but I'm just saying, I want to recommend this 50-year-old movie. <laughs> um, timely. Yeah, yeah, timely. But yeah, uh, Papillon and Escape from Alcatraz, uh, if you need some good prison movie watching, there you go. Those uh, are my words of mouths. Oh, Who, where wonderful. can we find you on the Instagram? KT Lowe Strandberg. And same on TikTok. How there about you, you boo? Uh, I'm actually on TikTok now. Yeah, you are. Uh, can you believe it? I think Woo. I'm at Dave Stone Comedy. Um, you are. Yeah. But yeah, I'm starting to uh, share some uh, clips from the special. So you can find those on Instagram, you can find those on TikTok, you can find those, uh, I think I've even put some on Twitter and Facebook, but uh, yeah, I'm out there. If you want to get a sneak peek at the special, I think I got three or four clips floating around right now, so. Oh, they're great. Feel free to check those out. And I will uh, I will ask and beg of you uh, more the closer we get to the date, but uh, yeah, if you're liking any of the clips, if you're excited about the special, uh, what I could ask of you is to just simply tell a friend or coworker. Yeah. Word of mouth. I need that concept to benefit me. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, and it will, and it will. It's gonna. Know, I'm not. I'm not a household name. I'm probably not gonna be on Rogan anytime soon or any of the huge podcasts. But word of mouth. I'm putting it out there. I think you will. If You're you can, gonna be on all the podcasts. If you can just, uh, you know, if you if you like the special, once it comes out, just it would mean so much to me to just simply tell a friend because me coming from like the cool kid hipster rock and roll world that I used to live into used to live in uh all the bands and stuff that I was into I never saw them on MTV or heard them on the radio it was always a friend told me hey do you know about this band do you know about yeah. this so some of my favorite art that I have consumed uh I was made aware of it by simply word of mouth from friends so uh yeah Special comes out and you like it, feel free. And it's to, amazing. Uh, you guys, it's really, really good. To spread it the is, word. I mean, it it's, is it's, so friggin' funny. It's okay. I will say this, zero crowd work. 
Not yeah. a single crowd work. Yeah, and zero talk of anal or cream pies or any other disgusting stuff. See? It's just, That's a beautiful thing. Uh, just, Thank just, you, by the way. Just a goofball talking about stupid stuff. I like so, it. Um, but yeah, no crowd work. Don't get me started on that trend. Ugh. It's a great yeah, special. I actually, I actually have prepared material. So Good. There you go. Uh, boo. Thank you for sharing with us. I know uh, it's not always easy to well, be this open and honest. No, I, I'm excited, and I'm thankful for this platform where I can. Wow. So thank you for listening to whoever, you know, does. That's right. That's Appreciate right. you guys. And right. call us for advice Yeah. <laughs> after listening to our depression. Yeah, let me, uh, let me give that number. I don't even know our damn number. Hey, if you uh, like depression... 562-548-2012. 562-548-2012. In that order. And uh, give us a holler about anything. We, yeah. Uh, we're Comments, glad. concerns, tell me to F off. I love it. Glad to hear from you. So, uh, Boo, you, you hang in there. I, I got your ya. back. Aw, thank I love you. you whether you're happy or sad. Aw. And, uh, I love all the shades of Boo. You just keep doing your thing, and uh, everything will work out. It always does. But, uh, Talk to you soon, sweetheart. All right. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye.
Thank you. 